countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from the last comic shop, it is now the 250th recording for Chad and me. Thank you so much for joining us on the last comic shop this week. It is kind of an anniversary of for Chad Smith, my loyal and wonderful co-host, and myself, Andy Larson, the host with the most. Because again, if you count this old show that we don't talk about as much anymore, we have done 250 podcasts as of today's recording. Ta-da! Chad, do you feel old? Do you I feel do. old that we've been doing this since 2018? I was going to say averaging a little over one podcast per week, 250 episodes. That's that's a, that's, that's a lot of weeks. <laughs> but no, I, I love it, man. I love doing it. I have a lot of fun. Uh, our show here, we talk about comic books all the time. And for me, uh, it, it's, it's my favorite comic book book club. Oh, well, thank you so much. That means a lot to... To me, J.A., I mean, you've been along for the ride here for a lot of our episodes. Along I mean, for the ride? It's 100 episodes! That's that right! We're close to 100 episodes with you, buddy! And, and Chad's right that, like, if anything, this year, when we looked at, as we'll be getting to in just a second, uh, the Eisner Award winners, they just revealed that last Friday, uh, as we said on last week's show, we were going to talk about who won the Eisners this week, and we're going to kick off the show with that. But, like, J.A., it was, like, eye-opening that, like, on this list, yeah, we covered that book. Yeah, we covered that book. Yeah, we covered that book. So, sounds like the last comic shop's the place where you can come to get good books, right? I will say that we do tend to cover a lot of comics, not just old comics, new comics as well. And and that's reflected in uh, the series that we covered that won. And, and, you know, we're talking The Good Asian. We're talking Monsters. We're talking... George Orwell's 1984. So a lot of stuff that we have in our evergreen podcast list not only was nominated this year, but actually won won some awards. And I will point out that the ones that didn't win that were still nominated, it is always an honor to be nominated. (laughs) And to be honest, some of those books were really good, too. Yeah. And, And because Eisner being what it is, they can always reprint them. And the editor can reissue them in a different format, and and they could win an award again. (laughs) Oh, here he goes with the album reprint thing again. You know what? It's fine. We're going to be talking about one of those today. The book that we're covering on today's show later on, Parker, they put out a martini edition. It won that award, J.A. And, and, I mean, we read it, so, yeah. Exactly. So, so you win an award for the album of the year. You win an award for the box set of the year. You win an award for the box set plus the uh, extras. Well, regardless, we hope that you continue to listen to The Last Comic Shop for the next 250 episodes. We've got some great ones coming up on our calendar for the rest of 2022. We're going to be covering Nightwing, which as we'll get to in a second, you know, was up for some Eisner Awards. We'll be covering The Many Deaths of Lila Starr, which was up for some Eisner Awards. We'll be calling, covering Ultra Mega. Which robbed. Was it was Eisner. robbed. Just saying. it was. And maybe we'll finally get around to uh, covering some James Tinney in the fourth, because he won, and evidently we should be reading his books. Or at least one of them. I mean, it was like a laundry list. But in any case, J.A., you've got the list of Eisner Award winners. Let's go over the real big six categories, starting off with Best Continuing Series, which was weird because it was a tie. Yeah, they had their own little um, moonlight moment, I guess. I don't know. Not moonlight moment, because that was they just announced the wrong winner. Uh, so Bitterroot. <laughs> by David F. Walker, Chuck Brown, and Sanford Green from Image, tied Something is Killing the Children by James Tinian IV and Werther Del Adira out of Boom Studios. I guess it can happen. I mean, it it seems weird that there's a tie. I mean, I'm used to, like, winners and other people. But (laughs) I guess if you have two really good books, you should give them both. You know, you know what? It's more European. It's more English. 
it's it's like cricket. You can play for five days and nobody wins. <laughs> Chad, what do you think about nobody wins? Ah, well, it goes back to these awards in general. These are arts. Who wins in art? Everyone wins in art. And so I don't mind that there's a tie. And even like the, some of the series that didn't win, there was another Tinian book, Department of Truth, The Immoral Hulk, which was a good one, and Nightwing, which we're going to be talking about uh, pretty soon here on the show. But uh, Bitterroot, I have some experience with. Uh, that's a great book. It's one I've fallen off of. i got to pick up the, the more recent trades. And like I said earlier, I, I've not been a Tinian guy. So maybe we have to check out this children-killing book. I don't know. That doesn't sound up my alley, but whatever. Hey, the, the fans have spoken. So I, I think maybe we should give it a shot as one of our episodes. In any case, let's so, move on to best limited series. I think we, we already gave this one, but uh, go ahead and recap it, J.A., well, the book that we reviewed on last week's show, uh, The Good Asian, did take home the award. The runner-ups, Better Ray Bill, Hocus Pocus, The Many Deaths of Lila Starr, arguably done bad on that one, Stray Dogs, and Supergirl. And again, some of those books we, we covered in our recommendation sec- section, like Many Deaths of Lila Starr and Supergirl and things like that. So again, you can still get great stuff out of our podcast, even if we don't spend 20 minutes talking about a particular one. Next one up on the list is Best New Series. You want to do Best New Series? Yeah. Best, best, best New, new series. series. The Nice House on the Lake by, again, James Tinian IV, uh, this time working with Alvaro Martinez Bueno. Okay. Of DC's Black Label. Well, one of the questions that I have for both of you gentlemen is, if we're only going to do one James Tinian the Fourth book on this here show, uh, which one do you want to do? Uh, we'll take votes. We've got three people. We've got two choices. So we've got Nice House on the Lake, which was best new series, or Something is Killing the Children, which was... I want to know what's killing the children. <laughs> Chad, what's your vote? It's the one that he built his brand on, so I'll go with the child killers. Oh, all right. So that you heard it here first. By the end of 2022, we will be covering Something is Killing the Children. So let's put it in writing. Fine. All right, we're going to move on to another book that we did cover on this show that you can go back to our archives and listen to, and that is Best Writer Artist. We want to give some kudos to a guy that's been in the, the field for a really, really long time. So who won, J.A.? So Best Writer Artist, Barry Windsor Smith with Monsters out of Fantagraphics. And that was, I think, J.A.'s pick last week. He said Barry Windsor Smith's going to get it. He's going to get the Clint Eastwood for Unforgiven Award, like Lifetime Achievement. Yes. <laughs> yes. And rightfully yep. so. But if you look at that book, guys, I mean, back me up. That book's gorgeous. Like, the art in that book is just, it took him 20 years, but it was worth it. It's brilliant, and it's disturbing. Almost as disturbing as my betting heavy on the Daniel Warren Johnson train not coming to pass in any of the categories. He gets that it's an honor to be nominated badge for me this year. Well, you know what? I think we haven't seen the best from Daniel Warren Johnson yet. And that's saying something, because again, with things like Jurassic League, Murder Eagle. No, Murder Falcon, not Murder Eagle. <laughs> Murder Falcon. He's got Better Ray Bill. He's got Dead Earth. Do, do like Powerbomb. Are you holding out for the wrestling book to win it? I, I, I hope so. What I'm saying is I feel like Daniel Warren Johnson's a name we're going to hear in Eisner Awards for years to come. I think we just scratched the surface of that guy's creativity. So I'm looking forward to what we got from Daniel Warren Johnson just around the bend. Uh, J.A., who won uh, Best Writer? James Tinian IV, for, I guess for everything, right? Uh, House of <laughs> Slaughter, Something is Killing the Children, Wind, The Nice House of the Lake, The Joker, Batman, The Department of Truth, Blue Book. I guess I guess he gets it for everything he did in the year. Yeah, absolutely. A I lot. Think he put out I a lot. I think that was apropos, just saying everything. This guy has wrote everything in the last year. Give him an award. Cover him on your show, damn it. Just do it already. This guy evidently is awesome, and we should check his writing out. So uh, the final one that we did last week was Best Penciler Inker. And who won that one, J.A.? So Best Penciler Inker or Penciler Inker Team went to Phil Jimenez with Wonder Woman Historia, The Amazons from D.C. Ah, the Kelly Sue DeConnick book. Chad, have you checked that one out yet? 
I have not. I, I'm not the biggest Wonder Woman fan, so it's something I'll have to check out next time I go. Well, I mean, this was another one of those awards where we liked a lot of the people that were up for them. From top to bottom, I like all of those artists, whether it's Asad Ribic, whether it's obviously P. Kirk Russell, Philippe Andrade, or Bruno Redondo. Yeah, all great uh, artists and all books that we've talked about, too, which is great. So, yeah, to kind of close out our Eisner Award winner segment, uh, we're going to talk about those people that were inducted into the Eisner Hall of Fame. Now, Chad, there were a couple that automatically got in, right? So we're going to recap those ones first. But then there was a laundry list of folks that could have. And so what was the final list of those people inducted into the Eisner Hall of Fame this year? Okay, so the guaranteed inductees were Mary Duvall, who did an 1867 British cartoon character called Ally Sloper. Rosie O'Neill created the QPs. Max Gaines of uh, EC Comics fame. Mark Grunewald, the uh, famed Marvel editor, historian, writer. Alex Nino, who is an artist for DC, Marvel, Warren, Heavy Metal. And P. Craig Russell, uh, who we've talked about quite a bit on the show. Uh, Sandman, Coraline, Norse Mythology, American Gods, uh, all that stuff. But then there was also a list of 17 nominees that we went through uh, on one of our shows, we picked some of our faves, and that list was whittled down to six creators that were also inducted last night into the Eisner Hall of Fame. Uh, the Voters' Choice Awards were Howard Chaikin, who we just got to interview uh, in the last few weeks, Kevin Eastman from uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fame, keep an ear out for our uh, Ninja Turtles Ronin show coming yes, up. Yes, last Ronin, it's coming up in a couple weeks. That's right. G.I. Joe writer, an Asian-American civil rights activist, and person who's appeared on an episode of MASH, Larry Hama. Oh, Chad! Good for you! That was one of your picks, Larry Hama! And that manga great and shoujo pioneer, Moto Hajio. Uh, I think Jay's more familiar with than I am. Dave Mazzuchelli from Daredevil Born Again and Batman Year One, some of the best comic books. They didn't mention Asterius Polyp, also awesome. And then finally... Uh, Grant Morrison from Animal Man, Batman, Final Crisis, New X-Men, uh, all that stuff, fame. Uh, they were your voters' choice inductees into the Eisner Hall of Fame this year. Yeah. Well, it was a wonderful list with a lot of names that we liked. Yeah, it, it, I, I feel very good, you know, that uh, Moto Hagio finally got in. She'd been nominated for three consecutive years in a row. So it's good to see that uh, the Eisners are not just a North American comic central thing they're trying to be a bit more international yeah especially somebody that's worked a lot in manga i mean i i know that we sometimes get some comments about how we don't cover enough manga on this show and maybe we will that's maybe another thing coming I'm, up yeah. it's on the bucket list that's right we're gonna do as you said it, it's on the list it's on the list <laughs> some folks i was like oh and i hope they get in next year um uh, Jerry Conway, I think we we all kind of said Jerry Conway was somebody that we really liked. Jim Shooter, he was also on the list as a potential mm. inductee. He didn't get in this year, but hopefully next year maybe he'll he'll be uh, he'll be inducted. And and I think we can all agree that we're waiting for the day that Gary Trudeau gets in. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> he won a Pulitzer. Damn it. Yes, he did. <laughs> Even though Doonesbury was not what you picked up the Sunday Funnies for. That's right. It was never the best act in the show. <laughs> if you had pet parakeets, you'd always give them Doonesbury. <laughs> I wasn't going that far. Oh, yeah. I know. In any case, Chad, uh, real quickly, why don't you run down a, a couple comic books that we should all be excited about that also were kind of just unveiled at the San Diego Comic-Con. Just a quick list of some of your favorites. Okay, so... Yeah, everybody knows San Diego's when people trot out their big news, their big events. But a lot of these are things that were mentioned previously, or hints have been dropped, but it's still stuff that I'm real excited about. So we'll start off with uh, Spawn Batman. Didn't they do Spawn Batman back in the 90s? <laughs> yeah, but, but they're doing it again! There were two of them in the 90s. One with Frank Miller and McFarlane, one with Klaus Janssen, and a bunch of other Batman writers and artists. But this one, McFarlane, Jim Lee, and Greg Capullo, who are famous Spawn and Batman artists. Ah. A new generation of people that wanted that team up, I guess. Good for them. 
I, I mean, I'm still going to go back and just read Spawn Batman, the original. There you go. And they are going to reprint the DC one. Good. This is the one with the Klaus Jansen art. But I didn't hear news about reprinting the McFarlane uh, Miller one. That, anyway. That's the superior one, in my opinion. But anyway, another book that I was super stoked for involved the writer-artist of Silver Surfer Black, which is a book I would love to do on the show one of these days. Uh, but Trad Moore is resurrecting Doctor Strange for a four-issue miniseries. Nice. Hey, maybe we'll get that one in a treasury edition at only four issues. Oh, with the Trad Moore art, we can only hope. His art is bananas, and I love it. I think he's the perfect fit for Doctor Strange. Um, next is something that was teased in the uh, Free Comic Book Day this summer, which, another big news item, Free Comic Book Day will be back in 2023. As usual, although Diamond doesn't distribute from DC anymore, they still have a number of punish- publishers, so that event's still going on. But uh, in this year's Free Comic Book Day Spider-Man issue, you saw a teaser with Ben Riley and Madeline Pryor from the X-Men teaming up. And so there's going to be a big Spider-Man, X-Men, and Venom crossover involving oh. those characters called Dark Web. <laughs> also called Maximum Carnage. Like, this is, I'm sorry. Between the Spawn Batman, yeah, Spider-Man, I, X-Men, and Venom, what is this, a 90s cash grab <laughs> Uh, Madeline Pryor, Brood Queen, that's like 80s. We've got 80s and 90s mashup going on. This is uh, one of those horrible mixtapes. That brings me to my final super excited announcement. You want to talk about people who came to fame in the 90s? It's Rob Liefeld returning with another Deadpool series, the sequel to his original graphic novel, Bad Blood, which has recently been turned into a miniseries. It turns out next year he'll be releasing... Batter Blood and introducing a new character called Shatterstorm. <laughs> oh, wow! This this is this is parody. This is this is the uh, this is the onion, isn't it? <laughs> Please tell me. And listen, J.A., I honestly, unironically love all of these things, and there's nothing I can be more excited about than Shatterstorm. <laughs> <laughs> It is the most Rob Liefeldish name I've ever heard out of any. <laughs> he just likes to take two cool words and just smush them together. And he's like, here's Thunder Widow. <laughs> and then uh, just go from there. Explosion knife. Lightning lad. Wait, hold on. Bounce boy. Oh, those are oh. wrong. Those are wrong. <laughs> ah, but I, I will say that I was excited about some some news that kind of harkened back to the '90s as well. Dynamite Comics is putting out a new Darkwing Duck series, which I was very excited about. What do we want? More Darkwing. Plus, in non-comic book related news, you're able to get the Masters of the Universe massive playset called Eternia, which I had as a kid and then got thrown out. So I was very excited to go get a new one. So, yeah, they're making comics and toys for people our age. Oh, there or, we go. That's because oh, you have the money. That's that's true. That's the disposable income. That's where it's at. <laughs> There's one more thing before we go. And it is a crossover of epic proportions. It is Mad Balls versus Garbage Pail Kids. <laughs> All the gross out toys we had and cards from when we were wee little. Combining in one miniseries. It's gonna be great. Oh, Adam Bomb versus Screaming Mimi. <laughs> yeah, all this great stuff coming out to you in 2022, 2023. So yeah, be, be on the lookout. We'll be covering some of it on The Last Comic Shop in our next 250 shows. And we're gonna get to our review of this week's book to kind of actually make it official with an actual review. It is Parker by Eisner Award-winning artist Darwin Cook. He's the best. It'll be up right after these commercial breaks. Listen, kids, these guys aren't going to let me cover Mad Balls on the show, so you got to make sure you go out and get that on your own. (laughs) (laughs) It's all nostalgia. All nostalgia. Looking for a podcast all about nerddom? Want a podcast with an emphasis on representation? The Nerd Alternative is the podcast for you. Join me, Ram. Me, Hassan. And me, Levi. Three black British nerds tackling the pop culture we love and sharing why we love them. The Nerd Alternative, a sweet melting pot of all things nerdy. Hey all, 
I'm Frank. Join me and my friends as we talk about all things geek. Here at Geek Freaks Podcast, we go over the weekly news of everything in geekdom. From movies to TV, video games, and comic books. We also have a growing YouTube community. Join us as we go over everything in your geek life and share in the love of geekdom. back with more of the last comic shop and it is now time for our read pile review yes that time on every single show where we get revenge revenge on those people that refuse to read comic books by educating them we like to get revenge on you by making you listen to us talk about a really great book and then you have to go out and get that book or maybe you already read it and you're just like i didn't really want to hear somebody talk about it but we're still going to do that thing and today it's uh, in honor of, again, as we recapped in the previous segment, Eisner Award winners. Today's an Eisner Award winner book. And so I asked Chad to pick an Eisner Award winning book from the past. And which one did you pick, Chad? So I went with Darwin Cook's Richard Stark's Parker series. And we actually read two of the books. We read The Hunter and The Outfit. are based off the novels by uh, Donald Westlake, who was publishing under the name Richard Stark. But uh, they were adapted and illustrated by Darwin Cook. Yeah. And in fact, they were actually adapted multiple times into a a lot of different movies. Right, J.A.? Yeah. So um, Parker, the Richard Stark novels, have been adapted many times. Starting in 1966, Made in the USA, which was based on The Jugger, directed by Jean-Luc Godard. So there you go. I don't think you get anything better than that. Point Blank was based on the first one we read, The Hunter. That's 1967 MGM Fair with uh, Lee Marvin. Ooh, that's starring. a good one. That's a great one. You got to check that out if you haven't watched that, kids. Uh, you have a 1967 French film, Pillaged, which was based on the score. The English dub version is titled Midnight Raid. You have a 1968 MGM movie, The Split which was based on The Seventh, starring Jim Brown. Uh, The Outfit came out in 1973. Also, MGM. They probably bought the rights, I guess, to all the books. Uh, (laughs) Which starring Robert Duvall as the Parker character. Uh, And then uh, you've got Slay Ground, which was in 1983 with Peter Coyote in the starring role. Payback, uh, 1999 based on the novel The Hunter again. Uh, This one starred Mel Gibson as the Parker character. And then finally Parker came out in 2013 uh, with Jason Statham in the starring role, also featured Jennifer Lopez, Nick Nolte, and Michael Chiklis. Oh, Michael Chiklis! I like his name, because it sounds like a type of gum. Oh, the Chiklis! Those things are horrible! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they are the worst. Oh, man. If a grandma ever gave you chiclets, you were just like, can I have some real food? All right. To get this back on track, since we, it is Eisner Award Day, The Hunter, book one, won the Eisner Award in 2010 for best adaptation from another work. And also, The Outfit, book two, won the Eisner Award in 2011 for best writer artist and they joined together in the fancified martini edition to win an eisner for best graphic album reprint in 2012 cja that's an actual thing that's an actual <laughs> thing and people get awards on purpose. who wins the award though did darwin cook get it or does the the publisher get it the editor i mean that's award for an editor darwin <laughs> cook didn't do anything <laughs> Just signed off on somebody else, a designer, put them together with a new cover, and 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 then they sent it to him, and he said, "Thank you. Yes, you can you can do that. Okay, check." No, no, hold on. Somebody had the genius to call a Parker book the Martini Edition. See, ha! You're giving an award to marketing. It's a marketing (laughs) award. It's an industry award, whatever. It's an award. The book won an award. What kind of martini would be the martini for Parker? Ah, he's definitely a gin martini man. (laughs) Okay. A gin. Dirty. Very dirty. (laughs) You dirty bird. (laughs) Lots of olive juice. (laughs) All right. Chad, uh, it's your pick this week. 
Uh, why don't you give us the 10 cent synopsis? What happens in both the hunter and then kind of spills over into the outfit because it is like kind of two halves of the same story. Uh, we'll start off with Parker. Who's the ultimate, uh, crime noir lead character. He's, he's lean, he's mean, he's aggressive. Uh, he doesn't tip when he goes to breakfast at the restaurants, you know, has a rough relationship with pretty much everyone around him, but boy, is he good at crime until one day the job goes awry and he gets double crossed by his own gal. Nonetheless, she's the one that shoots him and leaves him for dead as they burn the house down. But does Parker die? No, he's too mean to die. And so he gets out of there and then comes back and he starts hunting down the people that crossed him. One of his criminal partners who made, made away with the money uh, ends up giving it to the syndicate, uh, otherwise known as the outfit. And Parker, after dispatching this guy, goes to the outfit and says, you owe me money. I want my take from that job. And they're like, no way. And that leads to book two, the outfit. He uh, gets his money, and then the outfit tries to track him down to get back at Parker. And uh, that doesn't go well either, because he enlists all of his previous crime cronies that were not part of this organized uh, syndicate to strike back at the outfit. And it's all about Parker getting revenge and being mean and being cold and being cool and being good at crime. All right, J.A., so two weeks in a row, two weeks in a row, we read crime noir books, and I'm sure you're loving it. I'm sure you and Chad had set this all up, that it was going to be like almost like a crime noir month, because you guys love this stuff. Uh, but I want you to get your initial thoughts, uh, and especially how it compared to Good Asian, which we just read last week. I, I really liked it. Obviously, the source material is really good, hard-boiled crime noir parker not the nicest man not easy to like in the first book he he ties up this woman because he wants to stake out a hotel so he ties her up and gags her and and she's got asthma and he ends up killing her and he's like oh dang it (laughs) so uh bodies tend to be left in his wake wherever he goes be they innocent or not most of the time they're not innocent but you know innocents get done dirty as well um i really love the art and i i love the the use of color so in the first book it's pretty much black and white with just this greenish blue hue and in the second book it's all blue it lends itself well to that kind of stylistic storytelling i liked it better than the good asian i thought it was a little bit easier to follow the good asian i felt was trying to be a little bit too serpentine in its storytelling and and throwing in you know the the last minute macguffins and 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 whatnot and this was a little bit less less of that and more just nobody wins in crime nor everyone loses it's just how much do they lose at the end well that's the thing boy is parker just a son of a bitch like he is just (laughs) awful and i mean awful We've been reading comic books now for, gosh knows, as we mentioned, like 250 shows, like going on five years. I can't recall somebody that was this brutal, like just brutal. And when people look at Parker and they're just like, no, 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 he was unarmed. No, no, no. He has hands. Do you see his hands? (laughs) That's all he needs. And the language and the total disregard for other human life. It's really, you know, it's one of the questions that I had for, for Chad, because Chad really loves this book. But <laughs> based on my experience with Chad, Chad oftentimes doesn't like characters like this. Like those characters that have no redeeming qualities and are just basically out to, like, kill and mess people up. Like... Be honest with me, Chad. Like, sometimes those aren't the characters that you gravitate towards, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm on record as not being a fan of the Punishers or the books that are overly violent or overly aggressive or whatever. But you know what I'm a fan of, Andy? Efficiency. <laughs> what you get with Parker is brutal 
efficiency. There is no wasted motion. Jay brought up all the twists and turns, you know, in the good Asian. This is not that. This is a juggernaut. This is someone who's so good at what he does. It just so happens to be crime and killing people and enacting revenge. But he's so good and so efficient at what he does. It's just a marvel to watch. But then you get into the art of it, the Darwin Cook art, and it also is so efficient. There are no wasted lines. There are no wasted colors. You just get one in each book. And sure, it changes as the motivations change. But oh my goodness, it could be a little rough around the edges at times, but it's just like everything that you need is right there. Just like Parker and all of his plans, while they might be brutal and they might not look smooth and sure he kills a hairdresser and, you know, there are all sorts of, you know, messes that he leaves in his wake, but it is a brutal efficiency to get the job done and to accomplish the goals that he has. And it is just so fun to watch someone be so good at what they do, both the character of Parker and the whole Darwin cook of it. And the, and I've never read a Donald Westlake novel, but I, I, I need to, I think just because it was <laughs> so good. And two, and, and, and as soon as you think, oh, Darwin Cook has this stuff down, man. He's got his style. You know, he's got the, the color palette. He's got this up. And then you get into the outfit where he changes what he does for each of the different crimes. Yes. So, what, yeah, that when is Parker's cool. buddies are committing the other crimes, you. you get one that's set up like a magazine story. You know, the story at the track that looks like one of those old-timey cartoons. It's just every story is a different style. Uh, and they're going through all these different uh, ways the crimes are committed. And they explain how the crimes are committed. And they show how Parker's pals take advantage. And they rob the syndicate people. And then uh, you get the note at the end where they're, you know the mob boss is getting the, the feedback from his guy. And his guy's like, well, the problem is this is second generation stuff. The guys you have working for you aren't criminals. They're employees. Like, sure, they know you're a corporation and you're doing bad things. But... Uh, they have health care and they four hundred one k and right. and, uh, and you pay time who, off. And you know who doesn't have health care? Parker, who doesn't That's need right. health care, nor does he need a four hundred one k. He'll take care of himself. Thank you very much. He's a man's man. He's probably got cobra coverage. I think he's got cobra coverage. (laughs) Cobra coverage and meaning like he's got a cobra in a briefcase somewhere that he pops it out and like just stabs (laughs) somebody in the face with. No, what I wanted to say is you're right. The Darwin Cook art here is tremendous. And if you have never read any other Darwin Cook art, and luckily everybody on this show has, like J.A. has recommended in the past New Frontier. And we've talked about... Uh, the Spirit series, which is great. Like yeah. if you've never checked out Darwin Cook's Spirit series or Batman Ego, which is another yeah. great book. Batman Spirit crossover. Don't sleep on that one. That one's also it's, awesome. It, all of these books are great. But what I wanted to say was I, I thought we'd go around real quickly. And out of these two books, was there a particular set of images or, or, or whatever that really was like, man, that was great. Like that was wonderful. Like that was some of my favorite. We'll start off with Jay. Was there something that you really was like, oh my God, Darwin Cook nailed it with this particular image? Well, not just the image. It was the first 10 pages of The Hunter where <laughs> there are literally two word dialogues on the first page, page eight, and then 10 pages of nothing but art, setting the scene, telling a story. There's not a single word written for 10 pages and it was incredible yeah and it ends with him what lo- looking in the mirror and he's like stone cold like eyes made of glass <laughs> and he just he starts off he's walking across the bridge cursing at people like the, uh, the coffee shop waitress thinks that he's hitting on her and he takes her cigarette and throws it in the coffee <laughs> My particular favorite art in this one is when he finally gets revenge on the, the original guy that double-crossed him and took his wife. You know, he gets into the hotel and he comes in through the window. It's a nine-panel spread, and it's one of those classic ones. It kind of reminds me of Mitch Jarrett's, but, like, I'm sure Mitch Jarrett's kind of got influenced by Darwin Cook. But it's like these nine-panel grin where he's just basically strangling the guy. It's no words, again, to J.A.'s point. A lot of Darwin Cook's greatest art in these books don't require words. But the brutality of that page, not using a gun, not using a knife, 
using your bare hands to kill a dude, the epitome of savagery. No, 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 no. This is as personal as it gets. And that scene with his tongue sticking out, and it's all done in like silhouettes and stuff, except for the one page of his, his eyes bulging out. It's gorgeous. I didn't, I didn't know whether or not to applaud or throw up because it was so <laughs> it was so visceral in that scene. Chad, did you have some art that you wanted to gush about? Well, I was just going to say, too, don't forget once he strangles him to death, that he spits on his corpse and walks away. It's the most, like, it's so, so badass. But no, for me, I, you know, like everything else is a mood, you know, in this series. And that mood is just so wonderful. So it's so hard for me to pick out like one part of it. But I I, I go back to the different crimes that uh, other people are pulling. And I just, from a story perspective, I love to, to learn about where the cons are. You know what I mean? Like they have. Oh, you're taking story. notes. <laughs> oh, got absolutely. Your, is, 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 this is crib notes for this. Like it's like how to rip off these people by Chad's. <laughs> That's well. It's so incredible that like people are thinking about this stuff and their brains can work that way. But like they have the one story and it starts off with a you know a hand holding a dime and like this is a dime. This dime belongs to this lady who's going to the grocery store. And she's going to play the numbers, and when she plays that number, that. The cashier's going to ring it up as no sale, but he's going to write down that number and that dime, make two copies, put it in an envelope. And at the end of the day, he's going to skim off 10% for himself in, in the store and he's going to send it to somebody else that's bigger. And that's going to go to a guy. He's going to carry that down. He's going to collect all the 15 different envelopes from all the 15 different stores. And then he goes and gets his 10% cut. And that goes to somewhere bigger. And then that dime turns into $323. And all the $323 end up coming in. You know, and it's fifteen hundred dollars here, fifteen hundred dollars here from six different places, and now you've got a total taken nine grand coming out for this numbers game. And then how they're staking the place out and they know when there's gonna be a payment there. And then you get to the last page of that particular story. Oh, they left five dimes in the safe. One of them was our lady's dime. Like, <laughs> it's great. Like it's such great storytelling. And like it's one of those things where when you talk about comic books, to also be diagrams of stuff. You know, the visual nature of comic books and things you can do in a comic book that wouldn't necessarily work in a movie, TV show, or, you know, even in novel form. Like, it just it takes such advantage of the medium. And uh, it's, it's just great, great stuff. Well, no, I, I agree with that. And I think we've read books in the past, adaptations of novels. Like, again, I think we go back to sometimes the difference between uh, the adaptation of Slaughterhouse-Five versus 1984. And both of you guys said 1984 didn't use the visual medium of the comic book to its best advantage versus like Slaughterhouse-Five that did. Uh, And I think that Darwin Cook definitely knows what medium he's playing with, with these Parker books and is able to like, yeah, no, we can do a lot more with this than you can with just written prose. Like you can show this stuff. Yeah. And just the elegance and the brutality of all of it. Like it's just. You know, this is one of those books where I I can do nothing but gush. Like, this is the form that this should be in. Both Darwin Cook art as well as Parker. This is the perfect melding of those things together. Well, the one thing that I did want to add, though, is before we get too far, is the fact that this is actually two books. I mean, again, you can get in the Martini series, which includes both uh, The Hunter and The Outfit. But I did want to kind of say that in my reading of these two books, I did enjoy one more than the other. My only criticism or gripe or what have you is I really did like the Hunter. I thought the Hunter was a really driving story. Chad, you gush about these, those, those crime schemes. I kind of got a little lost there. Like, I won't lie. Like it just kind of was like, okay, I, I see where you're going with this Darwin cook, especially the pages with like, I don't know, it looked like a mad magazine with like the little, almost like cartoon character people where they were oh, trying to the guys steal with the coats. The suit jackets? Yeah. yeah. I was like, can I just skip over this and get more to the revenge part? Because that's what I'm interested. J.A., what did you think? Did you Was there one part of the story you liked more than the other? Or, or, or is this, you had to read both, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I preferred The Hunter, and I actually started reading the third book, The Score, and I liked that one as well. That's more standalone. Uh, you know, revenge is such a classic crime noir trope 
and when it's done right and and it's done unrelentingly the way Richard Stark did it with his Parker series, especially in The Hunter, uh, it's just brilliant. I mean, I think they both kind of work as standalone. You could read the outfit and not necessarily have read The Hunter. You don't need that backstory because it's not much of a backstory. I mean, you can tell the backstory in 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 half a page. Right. Right. It, this isn't Shakespeare here. It's like Shakespeare with lots more punching. No, no, no. I, I I'm going to actually admit that I actually read the outfit first because I accidentally didn't realize which was the first book so i read the outfit and then i read the score and then chad was like no no no, the hunter was first and i'm like oh and so i read the hunter and then i had to read the, the outfit again because i was just like okay and i actually got a little bit more out of the outfit after i read the hunter i won't lie so i think you do need to read these at least the first two in order to get the whole story but yeah i i just thought boy everything from like parker's wife and just trying to get the money and sitting at the the subway station, all of it was just like, uh, I think that was the better of the two books. I just think the problem you have is, and it's something that uh, Darwin Cook is doing with the art of the book. These other crimes aren't being committed by Parker. And so these criminals mm. you know, are a different style, different flavor, different schemes. And so some of them might not be as cool because you can't be as cool as Parker because he's the coolest, baddest motherfucker there is. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love it. The I love when he's, when he's waiting to get paid, and he he you know he spots all the different guys that are there to like kill him, or goes up to the guy with the coke. Said you should have drank the coke. <laughs> <laughs> Knocks him over the head. That's the greatest line. It's like, or or when, at the end when the one guy comes back from his vacation, he's got his two goons carrying the luggage, and he's like. You never get the muscle to carry the luggage. How are they supposed to hit anybody? They got their hands full. Like, what are they supposed yeah, to do? He's, like, he's such a great criminal. He's telling the other criminals where they're screwing up while he's getting his revenge. Right. That's another great scene in The Hunter. He's on the phone with the big boss. He's like, well, we'll come after you. He's like, you don't have three people from coast to coast that could come after me. You're just going to have to hire a lot more people. <laughs> The brass balls of this guy! Huh? What the brass balls of this guy? Jeez. I call him, so how much is Fred worth to you? It's like, <laughs> you want me to let Fred live? You gotta do what I want. You don't care about Fred? Alright, that's fine. I'll go get Jerry or whatever his name was. <laughs> like, he's just so badass. Uh, well, one thing we hope is badass for all of you is our rating section. Yeah, look forward to that. It's coming up right after these commercial breaks, so stay tuned. For more Parker, Payback is a bitch. Hi, everyone. I'm Nick Palatichuk. I'm an independent film director and screenwriter. I'm also an independent comic book artist and creator. I want to let you know about my podcast, The St. Paul Filmcast. It's a weekly podcast where I interview other independent filmmakers and other artists from the Twin Cities area. You can find the show on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon Radio, as well as distributor Podbean. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So, if you're interested in how independent films get made, or the process of filmmaking, also, if you're interested in other artists' process and works as well, tune into my show, The St. Paul Filmcast, where it's not over till the guests say it's over. back with more of the last comic shop and it is now time for our rating will you think these are brutal will you get revenge on us depending on what we say about this book maybe you like this parker guy maybe you think he's all right if you do you should seek help because he ain't all right <laughs> the things he does is cool but he ain't a good fella at all any case we got a one out of four scale for you and uh, what is that one out of four scale, J.A.? So many to choose from with crime noir, especially with the Parker crime noir. But I went with one out of four smoking guns. Oh, yes. Smoking guns. So I don't want to hear any sound effect that's like bang, 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 bang. 
that's not a smoking gun. <laughs> All right, Chad, you're up. What it was your pick, so you get to go first. How many smoking guns are you giving this one? Is it Billy or Bart Gun? I missed the intro. What what kind of gun are you talking about? Billy or Bart Gun. They were the smoking guns. That was Billy Gun's oh, tag team. You know, you're talking about Mr. Ass. Ass man. All right, go on. Let's go. So, yeah, in case you couldn't tell by how much I gushed earlier, this is a four out of four smoking guns. Darwin Cook and the character of Parker, there's no wasted motion here. Everything is simple and efficient. The storytelling is fantastic. The story, and I agree with you guys, the, the Hunter is the, the better story from front to back if you're only going to pick one of them because it is so focused and consistent. But boy, just everything is here for a reason. And Darwin Cook was really a master of the craft and just such a great storyteller. Parker was just a master of his craft and such a great criminal, such a mean and cruel son of a gun. I I don't know. Like, this is crime noir. I can't think of it in a better form than this package. So four out of four. Uh, J.A., how many smoking guns are you giving it? Four out of four for me as well. Um, what I love is that regardless of what's going on within the stories, Parker's always looking at the angles. He's always seeing, okay, this is where they're going to try to screw me over. So I'm going to come out ahead because I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. I love that. You know, it's, it's not that he's the smartest. It's just that he figures out that everyone else is probably going to try to screw him. So and then he's always thinking about how they're going to screw him. And then he... Where he figures out that it's the uh, the the woman working at the at the diner who's going to try to screw everybody over and, and steal the money. And it's only because she doesn't finish the job that he has trouble at the end. Yeah. Again, I really love it. It's essentially black and white art, but what or each graphic novel he's he's picked a different um, color to use as a accent color, a highlight color, and it, it really works well. It's so stark. It's 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 like the you know crime noir film noir is known for being very shadowy and and so this is probably like the uh, the comic book graphic equivalent of that and I really enjoyed it. All right. Uh, so I'm going to start off my rating with the fact that I sometimes stay up late watching PBS. Stay with me where I'm going with this. I was watching recently a PBS episode of Nova, and they were talking about how people are wired how we as humans are wired and they were talking about warfare and how humans are indeed wired for warfare and one of the reasons why we're wired for warfare unfortunately is because the idea the thought the notion of revenge actually activates the same pleasure centers in our brain as chocolate and sex. That's right, kids. You get as much satisfaction out of the notion of getting revenge on people that you do having a Hershey's bar or, <laughs> or doing the nasty with somebody that you love. So it is no question that books about revenge are going to tap into that very primordial part of our brains and activate those pleasure centers. So in essence, Parker is doing its job well, because if you want a revenge tale, I don't think there's one that's better than the Hunter. And then again, the outfit, I think the Hunter is the stronger of the two books, but unlike Chad, who wants to go and read a Donald Westlake book, I don't have to. In fact, I don't want to. Because why would I do that? Why would I read the prose when I've got this wonderful Darwin Cook art to tell the story for me? And so, like, I don't think I could ever do it because, like, nothing's going to compare to what I got in The Hunter and then in the outfit uh, in regards to the beautiful art of Darwin Cook, who was taken from us way, way too soon. To think that we could gotten, you know, more than just four volumes of this parker series that he could have gone and done more you could have got 12 you could hold a bookshelf of darwin cooks every year where he put out a new one uh, it, it's just sad to think about that so 
in honor of Darwin Cook, in honor of that part of our brains that loves revenge, I have to give it four out of four smoking guns. I have to. Yet again, another unanimous unanimous. four out of four ratings. A unanimous four out of four rating for The Last Comic Shop. Go pick up Parker. It's great. Get this martini version. Then pour yourself a martini. Then punch somebody. Because that one, Parker would be no punching. Leave Parker. that to the fiction. Don't yeah, don't punch people. <laughs> skip the You'll punching. Get yourself part. arrested. You're not as cool as Parker. You're not as mean as Parker. You're not as efficient as Parker. Put those fists down. Just read another book. Get yourself a martini. In any case, and while you're drinking your martini, we hope that you check out some of our recommendations. Yes, these are other comic books that you can pick up at your local comic shop that are hopefully as good as Parker, but probably not because this is really great. But yeah, check these ones out when you have some free moments. Uh, And we're going to start off with J.A. J.A., what is your particular recommendation for this week's show? Well, if you want to stay hard crime and you want crime noir and you want all that, you're digging everything that Parker's laying down, then have I got one for you. I'm going to recommend uh, this is just one. There's many books out there, um, many collections of mystery by Max Allen Collins and Terry Betty. One mean mother is the one I'm recommending, but any of the mystery books and that's Miss Tree. It would be as if Mike Hammer's secretary married Mike Hammer and then Mike Hammer was killed on the honeymoon and she takes over. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, what epitomizes that is early on in in the the one I was reading, which you can get uh, it's free reading on Comixology if you have a Comixology Unlimited account. This guy tries to kill her in her bed in her sleep. Uh, She shoots him and the cops show up. The cops like, so what happened? We scuffled. He had a gun, so did I. I'm alive, he's dead. <laughs> Max Allen Collins, so we, reviewed a, we reviewed a book of uh, his on the show, didn't we? Road to Perdition. Yeah, so if you like Road to Perdition, I guess you'll like Miss Tree, right? Yes. What's nice about it, too, is, you know, it, it's playing with the genre, so it's not a hard-bitten male detective it's a woman she's had to take over she's dealing with the death of her husband who was in the business trying to get revenge for the people that killed him but also tells standalone sort of mystery stories yeah and if you like miss tree also check out modesty blaze modesty blaze is really great by peter o'donnell like that's great stuff if you ever have it out. Yeah, and it, it it reminded me a lot of uh, another book I recommended many eons ago, uh, Stumptown. Yeah, so, that's another uh, great. You know, one. also in the same true crime crime noir genre. So yeah. that's my recommendation. All right. Well, I'll go up next. And uh, on last week's show, I talked about another stone cold killer that you could check out in Canon. With the wonderful Wally Wood art. And uh, I'm going to talk about more Wally Wood on today's program. I mentioned it on last week's show that it was canon kind of galvanized me to check out more of Wally Wood stuff. And I found a great collection, which I believe is still available also on Comixology Unlimited for free. Uh, It is called Spawn of Mars and Other Stories. And it's basically a collection of uh, stories that Wally Wood illustrated for the old EC Comics series is Weird Science and Weird Fantasy. You know, if you're into the Golden Age comics, and I'm talking the really good Golden Age comics, the ones that were put out by Bill Gaines and the classic EC comics, you know, the stuff that caused basically the seduction of the innocent and for comics to go into undergrounds for many, many years because they were considered, you know, a link to juvenile delinquency. This is the stuff. This is the stuff with this beautiful Wally Wood art. You got writing by Al Felstein, by the science fiction author Harry Harrison, and by Wally Wood himself. But it's a collection of short stories. None of those stories are more than 10 to 12 pages. Uh, Most of them end with that classic EC Comics twist, very similar to like the Twilight Zone or Outer Limits or those classic sci-fi shows from that era as well. But again... If you want to see some gorgeous, gorgeous art, you need to pick up this book, Spawn of Mars 
and other stories. It's got time travel. It's got humans turning into aliens and then turning back into aliens. It's got social allegory. It's got all that great stuff and wonderful Wallywood art. So check it out. Chad, what's your recommendation? So I'm going to bring us back into the superhero realm because I was trying to think of good noiry books. And we've already talked about Ed Brubaker, who was Darwin Cook's uh, one-time partner on uh, Catwoman. So I was like, oh, I don't want to recommend any Brubaker stuff. And then I was thinking, well, when I think of Brubaker, I think of Daredevil and I think of Brian Bendis. And so the Brian Bendis run of Daredevil, uh, which he was doing as he was coinciding with the ultimate Spider-Man run he was doing as well. It really was a chance for him to show off his chops as a writer of a gritty crime story. Uh, you'll have to load this up on Marvel Unlimited because the first omnibus is uh, out of reach price-wise, uh, unless you already have a copy. But Daredevil gets outed by the kingpin. You know, his secret identity is out there, and then everybody comes out of the woodwork gunning for Daredevil. And he has to deal with that, and he has to face down the kingpin. At one point, he even takes over crime in Hell's Kitchen. It is bananas. Uh, and his whole arc ultimately ends where he leaves Daredevil in jail. And he makes Ed Brubaker pick it up from there. But if you want some great Daredevil comic books, uh, he was teamed up with Alex Maleev as his artist for the majority uh, of his time there. And Alex Maleev is one of those photorealistic artists, but he doesn't fall into that trap that a lot of photorealistic artists do where everybody looks stiff and awkward. Like Maleev is a genuinely great artist on his own. And I kind of miss his art. I have to find what he's up to these days. But uh, the run on Daredevil is just masterful stuff. You'll see Elektra. You'll see Typhoid Mary. You'll see the owl. And then you see Daredevil relying on, you know, the Luke Cages and the Jessica Jones, which Bendis is also writing at the time, which is also very good. But uh, if you want something that has those elements of crime noir and that gritty nature, just with somebody who's a whole lot less effective than Parker. Pick up the Bendis run of Daredevil. It's genuinely great stuff. Yeah. Well, if you, if you were wondering where you can find some more Alex uh, Maleev art, uh, and you also like Crime Heist, maybe in a galaxy far, far away, you should check out his art on the Lando series that uh, Marvel put out several years back. That's a classic crime caper with Lando uh, Calrissian in uh, his full-on con man mode as they try to rip off the Empire. Ooh. Yeah, so you should check that one out. And you should also check out The Last Comic Shop every single week. Again, hopefully Chad and I will be around for another 250 shows. Are you in for it, buddy? Can we get up to 500? Heck yeah, I like reading comic books. I like making podcasts. Let's do it. Yeah, that's it. And if you want to check out any of the past shows that we, uh, we've been on and we've been graced with the wonderful presence of J.A. Scott for, uh, make sure that you go out to uh, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's a terrific place where you can listen to all three of us every single week. And if you missed a week, go back and listen to those old episodes because they're evergreen. And you can also check us out on social media where, Chad? At Last Comic Shop on Twitter and Instagram, where you can find things like Golden Age covers uh, each night. Or you might find weekly polls from J.A. or what we're picking up at comic shops or random questions that we have. Uh, all that and more is waiting for you on our social media. And if you need to find those places again, you can always go to www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com where they would find what else, J.A.? Links to our merch store uh, this week, as is often the case when we're featuring crime noir, you can get trench coats. Well, maybe not trench coats, but we've got T-shirts, we've got tote bags, we've got coffee mugs. Lots of great stuff uh, for you or your comic-loving friend. So yes. check out the merch. And if you happen to be a comic book character that J.A. drew in the 90s, you'd need lots of trench coats, because that's all he drew. <laughs> oh. Everyone looked like Gambit. Trench coats and pouches. You could not have too many pouches. I'm sorry. I took my cues from Rob Liefeld. You can't go wrong with that, nor can you go wrong with our recommendations uh, on this week's show. We talked about Richard Stark's Parker, the Hunter, and the outfit by adapted by Darwin Cook. We talked about... 
Spawn of Mars by Wally Wood. We talked about Miss Tree, One Mean Mother. We talked about Daredevil by Bendis and Malieve. All great stuff. You can find that and more at your local comic shop. All right. And we hope you come back to our comic shop, the last one, for more great comic book reviews and recommendations. Yes. And until then, stay safe, stay partying, and remember that if you have great co-hosts like Chad Smith and J.A. Scott help you through every single episode, every single week, make sure to pay them well in comics. Give them a banana split once in a while. How about fried chicken from Royal Farms? We already did that show. Comic Shop Wars, a 2022 Black Angus production.